With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the ACC Now podcast. I'm Steve Wiseman, the Duke B. writer for the Raleigh News and Observer. Joined today by our other uh, uh, beat writers for ACC teams in the Triangle, C.L. Brown, who covers North Carolina, and Chip Alexander, who covers the NC State Wolfpack. Guys, how you doing today? Hey, doing good, Steve. Lovely Monday uh, morning. <laughs> yes. Ready to get full tilt into basketball. Yes, we all, all three of our schools have bowl games yet uh, this month uh, to finish up football, but we are... We're in the ACC basketball season. Uh, all the teams have played. Uh, Duke's only played one conference game. Uh, everybody, uh, State and Carolina have played two. Uh, Duke will catch up, obviously, uh, as the month goes on here. But uh, uh, non-conference play is just about completed. Um, CL, I know you have uh, – uh, NC State has Citadel on Tuesday and then um, Ohio State uh, this weekend up in New York, right? So just uh, – uh, you know, we know about the losing streak and how they ended that on Saturday. Uh, just, you know, what are your thoughts on, on what the Tar Heels have accomplished in, in non-conference play as, as we start to turn our attention more toward, you know, the ACC schedule that's coming up pretty quickly here? Yeah, they've accomplished nothing in non-conference <laughs> play. Um, uh, and I say that halfway seriously because w- with what Carolina wants to do this year with this team, um, they're running out of chances for those marquee uh, non-conference wins that are going to help them, you know, be a one, two or three seed in the NCAA tournament. And so that game against Ohio State, they have to win on Saturday. I, I look at it like that. But I, I really don't think there's pressure. Like, I don't think they are feeling anything right now, even with coming off of that four game winning streak. And I actually like kind of the, the position that Carolina is in um, just in terms of their uh, uh, morale and their outlook. I actually think I said it before the game uh, on Saturday against Georgia tech. I think they're about to reel off a win streak. Um I think that, you know, some of it is depending on Armando Baycott's health. But as as we saw on Saturday, even not at 100 percent, you know, he gave him 21 and 13 when the game plan was hammered home inside out. You know, you got to play through Baycott and, uh, you know, that'll kind of open things up for everybody else. And I I feel like I've seen a lot of signs of, of progress in terms of their bench. I think Seth Trimble is really um, coming into his own and and really knowing his role as a backup point guard. There was a stretch at the end of the first half against Georgia Tech and Carolina went on a 16-2 run where, you know, he was kind of instrumental in that stretch. It's not that he was scoring, but his defense and, you know, getting turnovers, getting out of transitions, uh, passing the ball. They actually, that was a stretch where Caleb Love was out of the game. You know, uh, I'm not sure that happened a ton of times last year, you know, when Caleb was out of a game where 
uh, you know, they were okay with, with uh, Kerwin Walton or somebody off the bench, you know, really, really filling a big role for them. So um, I see positive signs. And I also, uh, I did a, a quick profile on Jalen Washington, the freshman from Gary, Indiana, who played his first, you know, got his first minutes. It was the last two, like 220 left in the game against Georgia Tech. But he I, I am really big on him. People kind of forgot about him because his, his he tore his ACL in high school. He didn't play his senior year. Um, it was a bad surgery the first time they didn't repair it the correct way. So he had to have a second surgery to go back in there. And so if he ends up being what he was when he was healthy, when I saw him, when he was healthy, he's going to be, he, he's got special talent written all over him. I mean, I, I make the comparison uh, to Harry Giles, uh, you know, that played at Duke when he was healthy, he was a special kid and it was really just kind of the injuries that showed slowed his progress from reaching his potential. So that's a long way, <laughs> long winded way of saying, I think Carolina's in a good position right now, um, even though they've taken their lumps with the four game losing streak. But I, I, I think this team could still be the team that people thought, you know, was number one team in the nation coming into the year. And, you know, as they showed last year, as long as you get it going by late February, early March, that <laughs> exactly. you can do it. Right. So yeah. take your lumps now, uh, learn the lessons. That's the whole thing there. Um, Chip, uh, NC State, uh, you know, has taken a couple of hard lessons in ACC play, but they have shown to have um, a pretty good backcourt. Uh, you know, I think they're still uh, – Ken Palm still has them 56 in the country. So, uh, unlike maybe last couple of seasons, they're not they're not out of uh, contention for, you know, uh, postseason uh, if they get it together with what they've got going on here. Um, uh, 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 just, just t- what are your thoughts so far on what you've seen from the Wolfpack? Well, I just I listened to CL just then. I thought maybe the podcast was over now that we had run out of time. So that was uh, <laughs> no, uh, no. One thing, one thought too about uh, the Tar Heels. They kind of remind me of the Carolina Hurricanes, in which they know when the important games are going to be played, and those are later in the season. They're almost in a hurry to get there. Like the regular season games are almost this drudgery they have to go through to get there. But then then they realize, hey, you got to play these games. They're important. You know, for, for the Hurricanes, it's going to be maybe playoff standings, but for Carolina, it could be seedings in the tournament, which obviously would be very important by the end of the year. But, uh, no, I think I think Carolina will be fine. As, as for the uh, as for the pack, yeah, you're right. They've had two conference games. I did not think they played well in the pit game. Uh, they seem to show a little bit of the jitters, and, and some of it, I think, in playing non-conference games with new guys coming out of the portal – these guys, you know, they, they had kind of gotten to know each other a little bit. They played well in the Bahamas. They thought they had a good cohesive team. But when things started going wrong in the pit game, they kind of go, you know, started going in different directions a little bit. Uh, and I think that kind of uh, – I thought they played – I thought they actually played pretty well in the Miami game this weekend. Uh, going to Miami, you know, I mean, I, Miami, I don't know if you guys have been able to see them a lot, but they're, they're a good team. And they've got some older guys like the Isaiah Wongs and then Jordan Millers and people like that, and they picked up some good portal players. So I think they're going to be a team to be uh, reckoned with later, you know, in the, as the season goes along. But, I, you know, if you'd have told Kevin Keats, uh, you're going to go to Miami and lead the game most of the game, 
And with a minute and a half to go, you'll be two points down and needing a defensive stop. He probably would have taken that uh, going down there. So, I mean, they were in the game. They needed one defensive stop to get the ball there back, but didn't get it. Foul Miller hit two free throws, and they pretty much put it away. But that's going to be a it's going to be an interesting season for for state, I think, and in, in the fact that you know with Jarkel Joiner, the uh, who they brought in the graduate transfer from Ole Miss for twelve in the pit game. I mean, and then he comes back against Miami and scores twenty six. I mean, that kind of inconsistency and kind of unpredictability is probably what state's going to have to deal with a lot. Uh, and, you know, and CL was talking about a feature or two that he wrote. I mean, I just got through doing something on uh, one of the portal guys, Deuson Mahorsic, and kind of the energy he had brought. He's not a real talented guy, but he's a big guy. Uh, rebounded hard, gave him a lot of, uh, you know, effort and energy, and then he gets hurt. Mm. And then just out of the blue, I mean, almost overnight, it seemed like the Isaiah Miranda, the, the seven foot one recruit, reclassifies to 2022. And now he's joining the team this week. So <laughs> it's a team in flux. Uh, and I think, Kevin, it's going to be a pretty interesting game tomorrow night. They play Furman at PNC Arena Tuesday night. And uh, Furman's a pretty good non conference team, especially. It'd be one of those games NC State's expected to win against a pretty good non-conference team that's looking to come in and pull the upset. Uh, and, and then coming up, they have uh, another non-conference game against Vanderbilt in Chicago, which will be a late-night start here. Uh, and Jerry Stackhouse's team, be interested to see how they uh, how they handle that on the road. So uh, December is shaping up to be an interesting month for NC State. Yeah, and then, you know, after that, uh, you know, they played Louisville, which is uh, one of the worst teams in the country uh, and uh, obviously the worst team in the ACC. Uh, and then Clemson before the year is out. So a couple of ACC games again there, a chance for them to get back to, to 500 in ACC play. I mean, Clemson's a, a decent team. that They're, they're going to be kind of fighting for, for bubble bubble space with, with State maybe getting – but that that's a game that's at Clemson. But uh, that's one of those that NC State, if they can they can pull that off and, and get it, that'll that'll – Get them going, right? That's the kind of game they they're gonna they're gonna need to, to win if they're gonna uh, that, be knocking on the door come March. <laughs> that Clemson game will be interesting too, because same day that that State plays in the bowl game in Charlotte. So I'm not sure how much yeah. attention it'll be a be a four o'clock start, but that that'll be about the time the bowl game is wrapping up. So maybe a lot of State fans can tune into that. But uh, that that's good. You're right. I mean, that's to have four conference games before January. You kind of know where your team is a little bit, and you know what you have to work on. Uh, be interesting to see how they uh, how they filter in uh, Miranda into this lineup. He's a slender guy, but he's obviously talented. I think he was ranked like 30th coming out of that class. So uh, it's certainly <laughs> the kind of addition they needed when they just got through losing a center. No kidding. You talk about you know, how college basketball is changing, college sports are changing. It's like a you know signing a street free agent in the NFL or the NBA, bringing somebody on a 10-day contract, right? I mean – here we go. You lose a guy, lose a major, you know, part of your interior game, and you just bring another guy in, right? Halfway in the middle of the season, so uh, the world is different there. Uh, and as far as Duke, what Duke's done so far, you know, they've started off. Uh, they're ten and two. Um, they had you know a really busy uh, first month. Uh, I think they played twelve games in thirty-four days. My sleep schedule and my travel schedule, and you guys know this will we'll reflect that. But uh, but uh, you know what. What they've done, they, they've shown that they're they're a really strong defensive team, uh, you know, particularly uh, you know on the perimeter, you know, stopping 
uh, three-pointers. Teams are only shooting about 25, 26% uh, against him from behind the three-point line. That's one of the top 10 uh, uh, rates in the country. So they've been able to do that very well. Uh, Derek Lively has been uh, a, a rim protector inside when he's in the game. Uh, he's the guy that uh, coming back from injury has only played, you know, 15, 20 minutes a game. They obviously need more from him. And he, he's somebody that hasn't shown that he is going to be a lottery pick like everybody projected he was going to be. I haven't seen the offensive game from him, the, the variety of moves that uh, uh, was kind of sold on him when he came in. And maybe that's he's getting used to being back in play. I don't know. Um, uh, most of his baskets have come on lob passes, rim running type things. Um, but, you know, uh, on the other hand, Derek Whitehead, uh, as another guy who's projected to be a lottery pick, broke his foot in uh, August uh, and has had just a slow, slow process getting back. He seems to be uh, comfortable with his with his foot and you know had his best game on Saturday against um, Maryland Eastern Shore. I mean, but he plays most minutes, twenty five minutes, fifteen points. Um, he so you talk about what Duke's accomplished so far. They, there are two guys there that have. There's more. There's more room to reach their ceiling as far as their talents, uh, and uh, so that that projects well going forward in the ACC play. For all the Dukes accomplished so far, the only two losses are to Kansas and Purdue. Uh, Purdue just just dominated them, and that's a game that um, they didn't have a chance to win that one. They they couldn't handle Zach Eady in the middle, uh, and uh, you know we'll see how they can fix that if they come up against a team like that again. You know, come March, but Kansas the game they they had that they they you know Kansas finished the game on a fifteen five run. Duke had the lead and gave it up late, so that wasn't a good sign. But but they were in that game. They were they played toe to toe with Kansas. Uh, you know, Jeremy Roach um, is dealing with his toe injury, but he uh, he's played very well through the injury. Uh, they gave him the game off on Saturday to kind of get some extended rest here because they don't play again until December the twentieth. So. It looks like, I mean, he's going to be fine. I think in the long run, that was more of a, um, a precautionary thing, try to get some rest. But he's shown to be um, the veteran guard they need. If they didn't have him, boy, they'd really be in a mess. But uh, he's the one the one veteran they had coming back. He's providing some some perimeter scoring. Uh, Therese Proctor uh, is running the point guard. He's still inconsistent. Uh, came in a year early from, from Australia. He would be taking a gap year. If Trevor Keels had come back and not gone to the NBA, Tyrese would be in Australia at the NBA Global Academy, you know, honing his game a little more uh, before he came into college ball, but that's not how it worked out. So he's kind of playing through it. He's been inconsistent offensively. Still turns the ball over a little bit too much, but you can see there's potential there for him to to be even better. So, um, you know, Duke's in pretty good pretty good position. They've only played the one conference game against BC. They have Wake uh, before Christmas on the road, which won't be an easy game because, uh, you know, Wake's a better team now than they have been in recent years. And then Duke comes back and plays Florida State on December 31st, uh, which is a, a struggling Florida State team. We know is going to be better as the year goes on, but uh, that's kind of where the Blue Devils stand right now. I think they're uh, they're in position to battle for the ACC title, which is where they thought they would be. Um, and, uh, you know, we'll see as it goes forward. But uh, looking, I guess, kind of at the ACC as a whole at this point, uh, we can talk about that a little bit too. And Virginia's, uh, you know, as we take this on Monday, they're probably going to be the number one team in the country. I would think, CL, you're a voter. Um, uh, it looks like they're kind of in position to move up to number one in the country, right? 
Yeah, I, I ended up putting them at number one um, on my ballot. I think that there's an argument that could be made for UConn and Purdue as well as as number one, um, new number one teams. And I'm kind of curious to see how how voters are going to go, because Virginia's best wins, uh, Baylor and Illinois, since they didn't, that was two weeks ago. So it wasn't like fresh on people's minds and the way UConn is kind of just building momentum. I got to see them a little in, uh, in Portland, uh, when they, when they played Alabama after Carolina lost to, to Iowa state, I kind of stuck around and looked at they're, they're impressive. They are, they are very impressive. It's not like a lot of talent that just wows you and overwhelms you. But, you know, um, Dan Hurley has them, has them playing at, at a, at a high level early. I feel like Matt Painter is good at that too. Like my, my, my issue with Purdue is always like, yeah, y'all playing good at the beginning of the season, but what's going to happen at the end? Like, I feel like they run out of steam. Like they come out, you know, (laughs) they come out the gate tough, but anyway, I, I, I'm interested to see how the voting is going to go. I do think Virginia certainly has has a strong case for number one. And uh, that's something that I'm not sure a lot of people saw coming no. <laughs> at the beginning of the year um, that Virginia would have this type of team. But credit to Tony Bennett. And, you know, I, I, I figured they would be a top 10 kind of team because of all the all the veterans. I think they returned their top six players, top right. six scorers from last year. So. Um, yeah, I knew they would make, make a pretty good jump. Yeah. I mean, they, they're the veteran team and they've, uh, they've played well so far. Having any stumbles. That's one team the HCC hasn't had to worry about with all the non-conference stuff. Uh, you know, it seems like we're having a re a repeat of last year, almost with some of these, uh, bad non-conference, uh, performances by teams in the conference. Uh, it's going to end up being kind of baked into the, you know, uh, it's going to be hard to overcome that only once you get into conference play. But what's different is that, you know, Miami, Miami doesn't have a bad loss like they did last year. Virginia obviously doesn't. Duke doesn't. Uh, Virginia Tech picked up a big win over Oklahoma State on Saturday. Uh, so, you know, there's four teams right there that, um, uh, you know, that are on the top, you know, top 30 or 40 of the of Ken Palm and uh, Carolina, even though they've got the four losses or in Ken Palm anyway, they're still 25. So, uh, they're they're right there. So there are still some uh, some quality wins to have out there. Uh, but I guess it would be bad if, uh, you know, Florida State comes around like they we expect them to. They've already got nine losses. Right. And uh, it's unbelievable. If, if they're going to beat some people probably. And they they're going to be better in February. than They are now. Right. The old coach knows how to win. He'll he'll get them turned around. Uh, you know, one thing about Virginia, too, I, I'm like CL. I didn't expect them to be quite this good. I knew they had a really good team coming back and, and added some pieces. But uh, that says a lot about Tony Bennett, obviously. And uh, as for Purdue, that big guy will still be big, right, even at the end of the season? <laughs> he will be. Maybe the player of the year in the country, too, before it's all over. So Yeah, he's he's, he's certainly uh, tracking that way right now. Yeah. Um, uh, one thing I wanted to bring up was Wake Forest winning at Wisconsin at the time maybe didn't seem as big of a deal as it is looking now because Wisconsin is playing well. Um, they just won at Iowa in overtime. They're winning a lot of close games, but um, I, I voted them in the top 25 for the first time this week. Um, so that that 
is uh, could be a feather in the cap for Wake Forest when they didn't get in last year because of their, you know, non-conference schedule. Um, maybe that will help this year. And, and have a quality win. Yeah. yeah. I was just going to add one thing too. I think last year everybody counted on Pitt being an easy win or, you know, near easy win kind of thing. Uh, I think Jeff's done a good job with that team and added some really good players. Uh, I know that was probably a tough loss for him. I think they lost to Vanderbilt by a point. So, uh, but I thought in, in, in the NC State game that they showed uh, some real maturity in that game. And certainly it was, you know, they're playing on the road. It was They're playing in PNC. It was a pretty good crowd there that night. It's a, it's a game they easily could have lost, but they kind of took charge down the stretch. So I think Pitt's a team that bears watching this year too. Not only that, I mean, they lost arguably their best talent, Dior Johnson, um, because of his uh, off-the-court issues. <laughs> I'll say leave it at that. And yeah. so to to kind of to your point, Chip, to kind of be able to to keep the the train moving and to make sure, you know, that that didn't have a like they didn't lose morale or anything like that over that credit to Jeff Capel keeping that together. And, and those are the type of teams. Notre Dame is another one that, uh, you know, for, for the ACC to to top what they did last year uh, to have more teams in the tournaments. Uh, you know, I mentioned Clemson, right? Uh, although they have a bad loss to South Carolina, but, uh, um, and I think they lost to Loyola the other night, also in non-conference play. But, but uh, you know, Wake, Notre Dame, uh, Clemson, those are the teams, NC State, that need to kind of play their way up in conference play to, to give, if the conference wants to get seven or eight teams in the tournament, they're going to have to knock off, you know, a Virginia or a Duke along the way that won't keep, you know, those top teams out of the tournament but will help, you know, help boost the, uh, the, the middle, the middle part of the, of the league. We know that we know the bad teams at the bottom. We know Georgia tech and Boston college and Louisville and, you know, probably Florida state, Florida state's, you know, going to have to win the tournament. I think at this point, if they're going to get in the, in the NCAA, but that'll be a story for down the road, right. For Greensboro, they, they might be able to do that. Yeah. I was going to say with North Carolina, too, it's like a stock this low. Buy now because it's going to go up. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I was going to say uh, maybe uh, that would lead to some conspiracy theories. If <laughs> if a lower and lower seeded team like a Florida State, probably at, at this point, I think it's safe to say they're going to be a double digit seed in the ACC yes. tournament. Um, maybe they should let somebody <laughs> let them through. They'll be the first one to pull off the five and five, right? They're going to play on Tuesday, I think. They'll be a double digit seed, so yeah, uh, you know they 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 can do it. Let them through, and get the extra. Let everybody else get some rest, right? Exactly. Uh, there might be some some guys getting some load management games uh, in the quarterfinals. Maybe we'll see that coming. But uh, no, it's good to be uh, uh, you know getting ready for for full speed ACC after the holidays. Here, uh, we'll have plenty of coverage at newsobserver.com. Uh, of all three teams and in the entire league as we as we move forward toward, uh, you know, the, the big uh, month of March in Greensboro when we'll have the ACC tournament and then the first round of the NCAA tournament back to back weeks uh, here in the, in the middle of central North Carolina. It's, it's back to kind of what we're used to, right? We're used to having, uh, you know, uh, Greensboro be the center of the basketball universe. Uh, one last hurrah before everything moves to Charlotte, right? <laughs> hey, Steve, I was going to ask you one question, too, about Duke. Uh, how's John Shire? How do you feel like he's handled 
being in the big seat doing games. Do you, do you spot stress there that maybe he didn't have as an assistant coach or how's he handling the games, you think? Yeah, it's 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 different. It is different. He is more uh professorial. Uh he doesn't he's not in the faces of uh players or uh officials or you know like like we're used to seeing in the last 42 years with the previous coach. But uh I did I will say on Saturday they came out early in the second half you know, against Maryland Eastern Shore, they had a 15-point lead. They were just kind of screwing around. You know, they weren't playing. They were sloppy. And he called a timeout. And it, and it's the first time I saw anger in him. Like, even in the Purdue game when they were getting trounced, I think he just saw that, like, Zach Eady is somebody we can't guard right now, right? He's, he's, he's There's nobody I, I have in my bench that can do that. So, but but he did he did uh, uh, get into him a little bit. It's first time he didn't have a jacket to rip off because he wears a sweat, like, you know, it's athletic gear, athleisure gear. But, uh Anyway, that, that's the first time I saw that. So I want to see – I continue to watch. It's it's the thing about uh, the new coaches, kind of watching those little things and seeing how he handles uh, uh, things differently than Kay. Uh, but um, the officials aren't getting their ears chewed on as much. I don't know if that's good or bad, but uh, <laughs> we'll, well, with, we'll see. With Kay, he was chewing him out from the first game he was there, I think. So I think that was kind of – he said he set the tone early there and he never really changed a lot. Exactly right, and you can speak to that. Thankfully, we have you around to speak to that for sure. Um, but yeah, we'll, uh, um, you know, uh, when they get into conference play, and you know, it's every game. You know, now you've got, you know, you got these non-conference games with, like again, Maryland Eastern Shore. Not a stressful situation. Um, you know how, how John's going to handle. Uh, I know that, that that Kay has been into a few practices. He was in uh, on Friday uh, and, and said a few things to the team. So John is, uh, you know, pressing that button when he can, right? He always has a – he can pull the lever and bring in, bring in the old guy when he needs to every once in a while. I think I think Kay was there mostly because Carlos Boozer was there uh, at practice because he was getting inducted into the Duke Hall of Fame on Friday night. So they had Boozer talk to the team, and Kay came out and said a couple things. So, uh, But he's always got that – always got the tap into – and of course, Huber can always turn around during the game and ask Roy what he's doing, right? So, was uh, out of curiosity, did did Boozer's sons did they uh, accompany him at the banquet? I did not see them, so um, then they, they weren't at the game on Saturday either. Uh, okay, Nate James was back in town, which was interesting. Uh, uh, former, you know, he's the Austin P head coach now, but uh, yeah, that's the big thing about Boozer. That's interesting that uh, now's the time when they put him in the Hall of Fame, right? <laughs> I'm sure that was just a complete coincidence. That's funny how those things work, isn't it? Uh, Do we all believe in coincidence? We better line up. We don't believe in coincidence. <laughs> that worked out well. But no, uh, th- uh, appreciate all our regular listeners on ATT Now podcast. Uh, uh, listen to us every week. Uh, we'll have plenty of coverage of ACC uh, basketball going forward, all three teams and uh, in the triangle. And uh, we're going to take care of those bowl games too. With, uh, with our three teams, plenty to talk about with Carolina football uh, uh, and State and Duke as well as we are for bowl games. But uh, basketball is going to take center stage here from now on, and we're looking forward to it. So anyway, guys, thanks for joining us here this week. Uh, uh, we will uh, be back next week with another edition of the ACC Now podcast. <laughs>